there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. I am here today with Fun Lola. She is the creator of Enneagram Everything and also a coach, educator, and writer. Well, Fun Lola, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. Um, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but I wonder just with the name Enneagram Everything, if the Enneagram is a good place to start. Um, can you share a little bit about how you were first introduced to the Enneagram? Yeah, I would love to do that. So it's actually an interesting story in that what I do now with the Enneagram was totally unplanned. (laughs) This was not what I was thinking. Um, But my full-time work is actually in higher education. So I work with college students. I love what I do. I'm really passionate about it. It's really special. Um, But through that, I get to really work with students on their development as young people. Um, And through that role, I've gotten to do a lot of different typologies, self-development assessments, you name it. Um, And so I was actually having a conversation one day with a friend who also works in higher education. And we were joking around about how we feel like we've seen every typology out there, use every assessment out there. So we're just kind of looking around what exists. And we saw the Enneagram And at the time, I don't think we even pronounced it correctly. I don't know what we were saying, but we're like, what the heck is this? this (laughs) We don't know what this is. Um, And so we decided, hey, we're going to find some form of an assessment and take it and just talk about it because that's what higher education people do, I guess. Um, oh, for fun. That makes me think I should be in higher ed because I love taking right? all those tests. <laughs> yeah, welcome. <laughs> we'll welcome you over. Okay. Um, so we we took this assessment and I remember getting my results back. So I'm a type two um, and I remember feeling struck in a way that I just had not um, ever by a typology or an assessment, like the way that it, it provided this beautiful picture of what is happening inside of me. Um, It was this thing that was incredibly fascinating. Things that I thought were just me, things that I thought, oh, only I feel this, or is it weird that I think this, or I'm questioning this in this moment. Um, I just felt really known, um, which is, is weird when you think about it, when it's just, oh, like an assessment, like, what is that? Um, And I thought, wow, there's something deeper to this. It was kind of an emotional experience for me of um, really feeling this, this just clear connection or language to describe what I've always carried with me almost my whole life. Um, And so with that, I am the child in the family that whenever there's something new in this way, I'm like, all right, y'all got to take this, y'all have to do this. Um, and so I had family take it, I had friends take it, and they had this similar experience of this moment of pause where you'd see people like, whoa, <laughs> wow. And just watching people react in that way and respond to that way, um, or to respond to the Enneagram in that way was just something really interesting to me. It, it gave a language to experiences that I think so many of us try and communicate um, in such a beautiful way. Um, and so afterwards, again, I'm an education nerd. Um, so I decided, Hey, I want to learn a lot more about this. And I had friends and family who were like, Hey, Famola, like, this is really cool, but we're not trying to do all the research with you. Like we're not reading the books, all of that stuff. So me being me also very type two energy, I was like, okay, I'll make this Instagram account. It will just be for friends and family. And whatever I learn or whatever is new, I'm just going to post it to this account. So you all can follow it. And then your close friends, because they had friends taking it, could follow it. But pretty soon, um, it extended beyond that. Like People were joining it and connecting to um, the things that I was talking about or the ways that I was explaining what I was learning um, in a really fascinating way. And it became this space where people I didn't even know were sharing their stories and um, 
allowing me the honor of holding space for them in such a a beautiful way. And so, so much of what I do now sparked from that, it's really connected to personal passions or um, professional passions for me as well. But it it really is this thing that I did not expect (laughs) to happen. Um, But I feel like really blessed and honored that I get to hold this kind of space. So um, to be someone that's helping people connect to themselves in a deeper way and connect to other people that they love in a deeper way. Like it's an honor that I don't take for granted. And so I'm, I feel really lucky um, in the ways that it came about and that it's helped me personally and and professionally, but also allowed me to connect to so many people (laughs) all around the world that I just never would have, have gotten to know. Wow. I mean, yeah. it's it's just, it's so cool to me and especially, um, and we can dig, I'd, I'd love to dig more into the types. I'm a type seven, which is probably mm-hmm. not entirely surprising with a podcast called Enthusiasm Diaries, which we can <laughs> explain that a little bit more. But I, I, I just love this idea that it was just something that you personally found so fascinating. You're like, yeah. I'm going to share it. And now it's become this thing that like kind of has almost like a life force of its own. It's a way to connect around it. It's just so cool. It's like the ultimate win-win. It feels yeah. like, um, I, I wonder just being someone that has taken so many inventories and typologies, mm-hmm. um, if you could just explain why you feel like it's so much more in depth and, and touched you at such a personal level. Yeah. So I think one of the things that is really unique about the Enneagram is the idea that it really centers on motivation, Um, right? So a lot of, I don't know, you'll take like a BuzzFeed quiz. That's like, what kind of cheese are you? And it's based (laughs) off of, I don't know, (laughs) something, right? Um, But there's something deeper that's about like, who am I at my core um, that I feel like is so intimate and so sacred about like the human experience that there's things that we really feel so deeply at our core that really drive almost everything for us. So I think about, you know, myself as a two, like this desire to be loved, really, as I think about it through the the lifespan of my life, right, that that has been a trend and something that's going on and will continue to go on. Um, as this kind of core motivation for who I am and for the human experience. And so I think what's really powerful about that is, again, it helps us tap into ourselves, but then into our relationships with other people um, in such a deeper way. And I think it opens us up to the fact that people really have a lot of complexity. Um, And it's not just like, okay, here's this thing, all right, you're a two, so you're a two and you'll always be this way and everything's going to show up this way. What's really fascinating about the Enneagram is it's an expansive tool. It's not a static tool. And there's so many ways to use it for growth, so many ways to really identify areas that you've been stuck in or fixated in um, and really use it as a tool to, to have a more integrated and more embodied experience. And I think that's something that's kind of unique in that I had um, shared and worked with a number of typologies and they're like, here's these five things about you, or here's this one energy personality type, you're either introverted or extroverted, and it kind of just sits there. Um, and there there wasn't a ton more to it. And I didn't feel like it fully um, just described kind of the more complex parts of being human in, Mm -hmm. in that way. Um, And so I think through the Enneagram, it provides not only the shared language that people can use of, okay, these are core motivations, fears, and desires um, that really drive um, who I am as a person, but also it's just this expansive opportunity um, for growth that I feel is unique to the tool, not that other typologies, you can't grow through them because you definitely can. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in, in the way that it frames that, I think it really is unique to the Enneagram. Yeah. Well, and, and um, 
I hope I have the wording right, but even it goes to show like where a certain type might go in terms of growth and stress. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been a helpful thing for me. And I, I would say it's, it's right on with the type seven. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> um, would you, would you be willing to kind of like walk us around, like even showing, I know I realize this is audio only, but kind of describing the the image of the Enneagram and maybe just mm-hmm. doing like a tour of one through nine for us? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do my best to do kind of a, a brief description of the Enneagram and all of the types. Uh, but the Enneagram is basically made up of nine types. And so those types are each assigned a number one through nine. Um, and again, each number kind of how I described has kind of a basic um, motivation, fear, desire that's really unique um, to the type. Um, I'm trying to think of all of the things I would mention. Different things are, um, there's ways that the types move um, in integration or kind of what you were describing in kind of security, ways that they move, ways that they move in disintegration or stress that those types move. But all of the types fall into one of these kind of three categories known as centers of intelligence. So you have um, three types that fall into the heart center, three types that fall into the head center, and three types that fall into the body center. And so you have the heart center, which is two, three, and four, Um, the head center, which is five, six, and seven, and then the body center, which is eights, nines, and ones. And so again, the the ultimate goal of the Enneagram is that we would integrate all three centers, so our bodies, hearts, and minds. And so the whole goal of the Enneagram is is to um, to really have that sense of embodiment and for the development of the type. When you think about like what makes a seven a seven or what makes a two a two, um, it's often kind of that fixation of, of one of those centers above the other. Um, and a lot of the strengths for the type, as well as um, some of the challenges for the type often fall in that center, which is kind of their primary center of intelligence. And so that's a, a brief way that I describe kind of the shape um, and the way that it moves. And then I'm happy to, to talk a little bit about each type if you'd like that as well. Yeah, I would love that. So I'll start with type ones, Um, not for any particular reason, but I'm just starting with one. Um, But type ones are often known um, by kind of two names. They can be known as the reformer or the perfectionist. These are your types that at their core, they really have um, this desire to be good, to be a type that um, has integrity, like a, a person that you're like, wow, there's a lot of integrity in that person. And so when you think of what would be um, like the the biggest fear for this type or the worst possible scenario is a, another way that people describe it. The idea of being corrupt or evil or defective, like something is wrong with them. That is something that that at a really deep level, this this type navigates and this type works through. And so they're really types that are going to focus on what's right and wrong, what's correct, what's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of these types kind of have a big struggle is how I sometimes describe it, that they can struggle with. And for type ones, that can be resentfulness being a, a struggle. Um, and so that's something that these types navigate and work through as they um, as they integrate and as they develop. Um, So that would be the type one. And then the type two, um, which is my type. (laughs) So I get excited about talking about it. But this type is known as the helper or the giver. And so like I said earlier, really the basic desire of this type is they want to be loved. um, And and they really think about love and their relationships and their, their status to other people in a really deep way. And so the idea that they would be unwanted or unworthy of love, um, it, it's honestly like it's something that is so painful um, mm-hmm. to to people who are of this type. And so they tend to be types that focus on other people's needs and desires um, and often can struggle with or their big struggle can be pride. 
um, whether that's in the not acknowledging that they have needs of their own um, or thinking that um, they have it all together when they don't. That can be a a big struggle for twos. Um, Type threes, they're known as the achiever, sometimes known as the performer. Um, But this type, they want to be seen as valuable. They want people to say, wow, you're really worthy. My experience with you is worthwhile. Like there's something that you bring to the world that's significant. Um, and so the idea that they would be worthless or that they are worthless, like that is a deep pain point, like a deep fear for type threes. And so these are your types that often focus on different tasks. They have goals. Um, they value recognition. They value accomplishment. That's, that's really big for this type and they can struggle with deceit. Um, and so not in the, like, they're a big liar, (laughs) sort of way, but almost in that they they can believe this I- idea that their identity is is really based in their accomplishment and really get lost in in the pursuit of success um, and really lose sense of who they are in that way. You have the type four. Um, they're often known as the individualist or the romantic. Um, and so these are types that really want to be significant and to find Um, or create a sense of meaning or purpose um, for their life. And so the idea that they would have no identity or personal significance can be a really deep fear. Um, And so they often are focused on like, what's missing? Like, what is is left to attain? Um, What don't I have? Um, what, What is my significance? Those are big questions that they're often asking And so with that, then their big struggle can be envy, right? Looking to someone and saying, there's something that they have that's missing in me. um, And that's something that I I need to obtain. You have your fives and fives are often known as the investigator or the observers. And so these are types that really want to be capable and they want to be competent. Um, And so the idea that they're not capable or um, they're not competent or that they're useless and there's no value or that they're helpless. Like these are things that, again, for this type are big, deep fears for them. And so there are types that they really focus on intellectual understanding. They want to gain knowledge. They um, really are thinking about, okay, this is my space and what is a potential intrusion to this space? Um, uh, from other people's kind of agendas or needs or feelings. And so they can struggle with this fancy word called avarice, um, which is kind of the hoarding of possessions. So I need to protect my time or my resources or whatever it may be um, at all costs. And that's the focus. And so um, the struggle in in sharing that or letting other people be a part of that can be a big struggle for our fives. Um, And then you have sixes. They're known as the loyalists, sometimes known as the loyal skeptic, but they really desire to be secure um, and supported and safe. Those are kind of three big things that drive them. And so the idea of being without that, as you're probably seeing the trend, which is the opposite, um, that's that real big fear or that big pain point. And so there are often people that are thinking of worst case scenarios, like what could go wrong um, and how do I deal with that before that happens? Or what would I do if that happens? Um, There are people that are constantly in this process of thinking. And so for them, that big struggle that they're navigating through often is fear for that type. And then we have your type. And I'd be (laughs) curious your thoughts on this. (laughs) But this is the seven, as you said, they're also known as the enthusiast, other times known as the epicure. And so these are types that really are looking to be satisfied, content, full, um, to really experience the fullness of, of life um, and to enjoy that. And that fear really comes from being deprived, like being without um, or being in pain um, what that experience would look like to have the opposite. And so they're often looking at multiple options, idealized future plans. Um, and these are types that their big struggle can be gluttony, 
not necessarily in like the it's Thanksgiving dinner and we're really going in. Um, but that, that but too, in, maybe <laughs> that too. Sometimes I'm saying some of the food is really good, um, but it it really is in the sense of there's all of these opportunities, all of things that life has to offer, and I just need to consume and consume and consume, and I often don't slow down enough to really tap into what am I feeling or what am I experiencing right now. So I want to pause here. I'm curious if you if you have thoughts on that one and and how it connects to you. For sure. I mean, I definitely noticed that feeling of like not wanting to be trapped in things. Like I love the idea of multiple options, getting to do multiple things. Um, I love having plans with friends. I really do because that's a huge value for me. But at times kind of like to have like open-ended things because I I don't want to miss out on something else. And it's not for lack of valuing that thing I'm going to do. It's more just like this I don't know, desire to just like, well, what else, what else could we be doing? And it's, it's not that I don't, um, like I was saying, it's not that I don't value it. It really, it's more just like, I value a lot of different yeah, things. Yeah. And I do, um, find that, and maybe part of why I have this podcast is I find like a lot of different interests. Um, and I like the variety that doing a podcast like this has, and I'm not sure how much that seems to fit. Um, as something as part of the typical type seven. I, I don't know if you've heard that before, but I, I like the idea of learning all kinds of things. Um, I don't have to like stick to just one topic. I can, mm-hmm. I can spread myself and see a lot. And I do think, um, I know people kind of talk about like FOMO and it's kind of like a joke, but like I, I have it. I feel that. <laughs> and I feel it at like a very deep level. Like I feel when I, my husband and I were even joking and he's like, you have that bad. Like, I think there was a situation where I missed out on something. And I think he realized like, wow, that like, you're really bothered by it. And I, it was Mm -hmm. like more, it didn't feel like I could shake it as easily as someone else could. Um, I definitely feel that. And I feel, um, I, I mean, I can tell too, when I, um, knowing a little bit and I don't want to go too in depth just with seven, but just knowing a little bit about, where my type might go when I'm integrated, um, the ability to like focus in be more present, which, um, tell me if I have this right, seems more like moving towards a type five. I think when mm-hmm. I'm really feeling good, I, um, and it, like my, probably my most healthy and balanced, some ability to be doing all the things and enjoying all the things, but to be really yeah. present in it, I notice that more. Yeah. Yeah. That was, a beautiful description of the seven. And I, I just think you said it so well to, to what you said before. You're like, I don't know if this podcast thing and the, the multiple options is, is indicative of a seven. I think very much so, right? Is that there's so much to learn and experience. And I don't know, I, I just see sevens as like, they're out there and they're like, look at life. It's like really good. And there's so many things. Um, to check out. But like you said, a lot of that work kind of as I described a moment ago with the gluttony being the struggle is like that moment to wow, I need to just pause for a moment. And I need to slow down and get curious about what I'm feeling and what's happening. And am I enjoying this in this moment? So I think you captured that in such a beautiful way for the type seven. Well, thank you. Yeah, Yeah. I, I do find like, activities that are grounding and even nature and things that um, a space that just feels really calming helps because I often can feel scattered, like Mm. feel kind of all over the place. Like I have, there's so much to do and I want to do this other thing. So sometimes, um, not quite like finishing out something. And I don't think it's so much like in a ADHD thing as much of, as like a, um, I'm kind of feel at times like a little heady and all over the mm-hmm. place and to so to ground down yeah meditation <laughs> activities yeah. like that really helped me yeah for sure for sure awesome um so the last two types um type eight um they're known as the challenger or the protector i have a soft spot for eights because i have a lot of them in my family um but these are types that they really want um 
to maintain control of their own life, their own destiny, and to protect themselves in a way. And so the idea of being harmed by others or controlled by others can be a real um, painful, painful process for them. And so this type, um, I think in some ways similar to the seven when it comes to pain or vulnerability, there can be a challenge around around that. Um, so these are types that they are really focused on things that they feel like are unjust. They're going to do something about it. They don't want to be controlled by others. They don't like injustice. There are types that like to get things moving, like, let's go. Um, let's let's do something about this. And so this type can struggle with lust. And when I say lust, I, again, I don't mean it in this like sexual sense in that way. What I mean is, again, there's this intensity um, that comes that comes as part of the type eight experience. That's a intensity in response. Um, and this almost, um, I see it as like, uh, it's like a Mustang, <laughs> uh, going, running through running wild is that there's that kind of intensity, um, wild life force, um, sometimes behind an eight. And that's, that's a struggle for them is that they often instinctively instantly respond. Um, and so having to navigate what that looks like. And then you also, lastly, but not in significance or importance, um, is type nines. And these are often known as the peacemaker or the mediator. I also I have a soft spot for all the types. But uh, <laughs> these are types that truly there is there's a level of gentleness there that I, I find um, really intriguing. They're types that really value this sense of, of peace and inner stability and so the idea for these types that there would be loss or separation, and what I found in a lot of work that I've done with nines, um, particularly in a relational sense, like that can be um, really painful for nines. And so for them, they're thinking about other people's agendas, um, thinking about the external environment. And so um, nines and twos often sometimes get confused, but what distinguishes them again is this idea of, I really need to prioritize or value or care about other people's needs, desires, and opinions above my own versus a two that's like, I really need to help. Um, mm -hmm. and it's driven by a, a different, a different motivation there. Um, and so this type, um, can really struggle with sloth. Um, like falling asleep is another way that that's um, described is when there are things that are a challenge to that inner stability or peace. Um, this type can often engage in numbing activities um, to distract themselves from it. So it could be things like literally falling asleep. I have a, a lot of friends who are nines and they're like, I'm gonna take a nap. Um, <laughs> you know, when things when things go down, it could be that it could be Maybe they work out a bunch because it distracts them from things or they're binge watching things on Netflix, things that aren't necessarily inherently bad, but can sometimes make them fall asleep to the own, their own experience of living. Mm -hmm. And similarly, they can merge so deeply with other people's desires and needs that they can truly fall asleep to their own experience of living. If you prioritize other people's needs and desires so deeply above your own, it's there sometimes can cause a question of like, what are my needs and desires? Because I've so deeply uh, merged with what you want and what you desire. I don't really know who I am or what I need in this moment anymore. Mm. Um, like and so to, that's a, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say like hard to dif differentiate one from others, maybe from, from the other. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think just as we've gone through the descriptions of the nine types. I think that that reminds me to, of what I said earlier of how intimate of a tool this is, is a lot of this stuff is not something like you go on a first date and you're like, Hey, I actually fear loss or separation. Like that would not be <laughs> first date conversation, right. maybe not second or third. I don't really know. Um, and so these are things that again are so, um, deep and so intimate. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I hope people get in, in um, doing work around the Enneagram and in knowing their type is this um, 
gentleness that they extend towards themselves, the self-compassion, which is a lot about what I talk about in the work that I do towards themselves, but then almost um, this deeper empathy with other people. Because when you're holding something so intimate about people and what they experience and what they struggle with, I, I feel like it needs to be handled um, with care and empathy and grace. Um, and so again, such a, a beautiful, powerful tool in that it taps into that and it gives language around some of that, that, um, I'm sure, you know, you know, in your work, uh, in therapy, uh, as you said, as a therapist, you've probably seen a lot of it, things that are so deep, um, that again, I, I just feel like there's a lot of power in it, but it has to be handled well and handled in a sacred way. Mm, sacred. Yeah. yeah. I really like that yeah. a lot. Um, gosh, I have so many questions and I, I love that you took the time just to do that quick run through. And I, I hope people listening are like taking notes and maybe this is sparking some curiosity if, if they want to learn more, but do you know, this question just came to mind. Um, if there's breakdowns in terms of how, um, I mean, I would imagine it's probably not a like an equal split between the nine parts and the population. Mm -hmm. Do you know, like, are there certain types that tend to be more common? So this is an interesting question. <laughs> and I think it I think it is a, a question that comes up a lot. But I think um, I think it's something that there's debate about. Right. Because a lot of it is about motivation. So there's this whole conversation of like, is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it mm -hmm. both? Um, that helps people develop their type. And in my opinion, there's a little bit of of both there. Um, and so I don't think that there's a specific breakdown of like, there's more of this type than others, just because I think um, another thing, and I'm sure we'll tap into it later, is I think a lot of people mistype. Mm. Um, and so they think they're one type, um, or their friend tells them they're a type, or their partner tells them they're a type that I don't think that that type of data is often accurate. Um, and then dependent on different societies or populations, like I find um, oftentimes um, in the US, um, many women will think that they're twos um, mm. just by virtue of, oh, I like to help as a person, um, so I must be a two. But then when you think about the motivation for the two, they're not helping just because they like to help. There's this compulsive need to help because the idea that if I'm helpful and I'm useful to you, it means that I'm loved or I'm equating that with love. That's the motivation there. Right. Um, and so I, I think that data for a lot of people who do this work has just been hard to capture because mm -hmm. there's so many people who are mistyped. And that's why I have a love-hate relationship um, with <laughs> quizzes or assessments sometimes, because I feel like we need to hear people's um, stories. So that's a roundabout answer of saying no, <laughs> um, yeah. or there's not enough data at this time to really capture that in a real accurate way. Yeah. So what, yeah. Do, you, what do you recommend for people who want to figure out yeah. So for me, I think one of the coolest things about the Enneagram is it's been um, this really great tool for storytelling and that people are getting to share their stories and their experiences. And so no two people of a type look the same. And there's other things like subtypes, which we won't even get into. There's a lot of stuff with it. But uh, you is know, that the if wings you, were, you mean, or do you mean the? Oh, that's even it goes okay. even deeper than okay. that into um, people who are a social subtype or oh, a one to one right. subtype or self preservation. So there's a lot to the enneagram. It's a lot. I'm yeah. always learning. This is but like enneagram one hundred and one for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, I think you know, if you were having a conversation with another seven just the differences in your story and your experiences is there would be this shared language around this similar motivation, but what that looks like shows up differently, whether it's um, identities that people hold that impact the ways that it shows up or culture that, that comes into it and comes um, to play. And so what I've loved um, in helping people understand or find their type is actually to ask them to listen to people talk about their type. And so there's a lot of great 
panels on YouTube um, where people talk about their type. I love Instagram in this way, (laughs) in that there's a lot of Instagram pages where um, I can think of, I just did like a post for type ones yesterday. And there are a lot of ones um, sharing how things show up for them. And there would be people messaging, oh, I agree with that. Or, oh, I don't really agree with that. Um, and so as you listen to people talk about it, you can identify, okay, this is a, a shared experience or a shared way of doing or being. Um, and so I like that. I like um, when people go through and read descriptions of all nine types um, and and really spend time in it because there's something um, that will be really clear um, when it comes to the motivation and when you sit with it, like as you hear all nine types, even maybe for some people listening to the podcast, they're like, oh, that's it. Like I already, mm-hmm. I already know the one, um, because there's something almost, um, it's a mix of like intimate, <laughs> sacred, sometimes a little painful, mm-hmm. um, too, because it, again, it taps into so much of of the experience. And so I think where um, tests or quizzes can sometimes be challenging is um, they can focus or center a lot on behavior. But like I mentioned with the helping example, you can like to help and be any type. Um, A lot of times uh, people will think if you really value work, you're a three. I really value work. I'm not a three, you know, Mm -hmm. you value what you do. You're not a three. Mm -hmm. And so again, remembering that the Enneagram is about motivation. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's where a lot of people mistype and get stuck because they get stuck in these almost um, stereotype feels too strong of a word. I would say like misconceptions of the types. Um, So that's what I would say there. That's great. What yeah. would, could, could you say, I mean, you've said some about you being a type two, but just in the spirit yeah. of storytelling, can you share yeah. a little bit more about you and how you felt yeah. like, of course, this is type two and how this fits? Yeah. So the, the experience of realizing I was a type two, well, one, it was, it was accurate and it was a read, but again, I think a lot of people my whole life, anyone that knows me would be like, oh, Famola loves to help. She's good at helping. Um, I, a lot of my full-time work, I do some work around um, like crisis student support. And everyone's like, wow, you're really good at those sorts of things. And I found as I was looking at that, um, those results, the thing that struck me really was um, when it described, okay, you really like to help. Every typology or assessment was like giver, helper, mm-hmm. social, but in a different way, I'm an introvert, but social in, in the sense of um, this kind of social responsibility relationship to other people. But it was deeper than that, that motivation to be loved where I had to pause for a minute. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's something so true and intimate about that is I, I move through the world and I go through a lot of these spaces because I do want to be loved and I do want other people to be loved. But the idea that like, I, I feel like a million and one things could go wrong, but the idea that I, I wouldn't be loved is like, I it's, <laughs> I'm malfunctioning just trying to talk about mm-hmm. it because it feels it so deep. So deep. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think of experiences where, um, at just a younger age or a younger understanding of what it means to help or serve or see another person or value another person as I was constantly doing and doing and doing and extending of myself to the point of true exhaustion of, you know, I feel like I have to do this. And it's this compulsive, again, I think some people see the twos and they're like, oh, it's so nice to help. No, it can really feel like this compulsive need to help. And if I'm not helping, then what am I doing and needing this moment to slow down? And I can think of stories from when I was really little to being in class and they're like, you're so helpful and you can help the teacher here. And that felt really good. And um, moments in, you know, figuring out things with relationships for the first time and feeling like, um, you know, when I'm in a relationship, like, what is my role? Do Am I supposed to help them in a way or feeling kind of that pressure to do that? And so again, this trend of, of um, 
being loved and desiring to be loved and expressing that um, in a really clear and genuine way. Um, that's been the work that I think is the work of many twos of, I need to clearly <laughs> express what I need, but I'm indirectly doing it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's the truth. And I, I think, or I'm distracting from it, like, oh, let me help all these people over here because I do need stuff, but I'm going to ignore that I need those things. Um, and so that's been, you know, so much of the work from being young to being, um, I don't know what I am now, middle-aged. I don't know. I'm 29. <laughs> I don't know what I would call myself right now. I work with college students. They make me feel old sometimes. Right. <laughs> it's all relative but, that way. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, I think so much of that. And so I think one of the things that's been beautiful about the Enneagram for me was almost that call out, like the pride thing, (laughs) seeing pride as the struggle really hurt my feelings a little bit. I'm like, I don't have a pride issue, but I do. And Mm -hmm. I, and I have right in the idea that I think that other people's needs are so important and valuable and need to be addressed. And a lot of times I'm going through stuff and I'm not really clear in the ways that I express them or um, I'm not really clear about the motivation behind them. And so it it's provided this language of being like, okay, this reaction, like I too, as a person need to slow down and ask myself, do I really want to help here? And a lot of times it's no. And so I don't anymore. Or mm-hmm. what's actually going on? Uh, like, how do I actually feel? Um, and what do I need in this relationship? Or how did that make me feel? And so I think it's, been this really cool tool that's helped me be a better, more honest communicator in a way that I think people felt like I was because I was so good at the holding space and the vulnerability for other people, Mm -hmm. but in a genuine way. And so I think with family and with friends, like the, the deep intimacy of those relationships to actually say, there's some stuff (laughs) coming to play. And when you said that, I know you just said this random thing, but it hit me in a place that's um, deeper where I'm like, do you still love me? Like what's going on mm. here? Um, and wow. so I don't know. I, love I, that I you just brought think, that up in relationship with others. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I think that's where this tool gets cool is it there, there for me is a limit where I know so much about myself um, or I'm learning so much about myself and can continue to do that. But I think the deeper beauty has been that shared language or way to communicate it. Like for my family who is a type eight to connect with me as a type two in very drastically different ways, right? Very different ways of being, although there's some ways our arrows move similarly, but I think there's um, an understanding and, and a gentleness there um, just in relationships, again, that can come through that shared knowing and that shared language mm-hmm. um, and that shared, I don't know, that that feeling that you get when you hear some of these things and it connects with a part in you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think there's something, again, like I keep saying, that's sacred about that, that ability to connect on almost like a soul level. Yeah. yeah. So level. Yeah. That like gave, almost could give me like goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. And, and in hearing your story, this idea that it's let you have increased self-awareness and um, like compassion for yourself. Maybe that's a, mm-hmm. a word to use in terms of recognizing, okay, pause. Do I really want to help here? Is my, is like mm-hmm. my heart in it or am I doing it to fill this, this other thing that has, is more about me than really wanting to help in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. And, and it sounds like you're saying that from more self-awareness of your, where your motivation sits with that, like how much is the true, like, yes, I'm here to help verse. Mm-hmm. Will you still love me if I say, no, I don't want to, maybe that's yeah. way to say it. Um, and then your ability to like show up and let your friends and family know that about you. I mean, that is so cool. Yeah. And, and I think even boundaries, like the depth of, I have way um, stronger boundaries um, Mm -hmm. through the work that I've done around the Enneagram is sometimes it's not even a question of the motivation of why I'm doing it, but do I have the capacity to genuinely do this right now? And, and so as someone who um, 
works with students and part of it in this this crisis way of like I may not be the best person for this and um the the humility to to know that and to know when um I'm at capacity or don't have capacity I think for all of the types and just a clearer sense of boundaries and honesty around those boundaries too Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and when for boundaries specifically probably for all types actually in some ways but just talking specifically about helper types when Mm -hmm. it's like time to turn the the helping Mm -hmm. and the the care towards oneself instead of Mm -hmm. outwardly wow that's yeah um yeah well, and I, I, you know, I had shared some things that I've found to be helpful with my type just from learning a bit more about it. And I think some of that, as I think about how did I know that more grounding helps, except that I feel better in my body and I feel more mm-hmm. in the moment. Um, I mean, I think, I think just knowing what, how I do feel, how I function, that helped me. But I wonder more specifically if there's things that the Enneagram does or books you can read that can say, I don't know. I mean, everyone's so different. So I don't want to say if you're this type, the Enneagram says this and it will help. But I guess, can you say more specifically about how the Enneagram does help in our growth? Yeah. So one of the things that I'm thinking about, and I was listening to you describe what you were talking about, um, in terms of more grounding. So as I described at the very beginning, all of these types fall into, uh, you know, primary center. So the heart types being twos, threes, and fours, um, mind five, six, seven, and then body eight, nine, and one. And so again, a lot of, um, the energy I feel like for these types centers around that way, but what you were describing was you're actually tap tapping into one of the other centers, like you're tapping into body, um, Mm -hmm. that grounding experience of doing that. Um, And so I think what I, you know, what I recommend or try and have people think about is themselves as a whole, right? Like you're not just this type um, that um, is in the mind center and needs to be thinking and, and focused on that all the time is that there are other parts of you that need to be um, held or addressed. And so as people can think of, regardless of what their primary center is, of ways to balance or integrate those other centers, I think that that becomes really helpful. So for me, who is primary a feeling type, I feel really easily. I feel Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, Having these moments of like, okay, I'm connected and integrated in some ways in heart. Um, but what's happening in body and in mind and connecting those things and finding, um, different tools. And it's going to, like you mentioned, look different for everyone, but finding different tools that are helpful. So sometimes, you know, when people are trying to connect more to body, I'm asking them to look at and consider like actually moving their body in certain ways. Some people love, like you mentioned, meditation being Mm -hmm. a really helpful thing. Some people do yoga or they need to go on a walk or whatever it is, things that they can do to, to feel almost connected with that, that kind of instinct. Um, gut is another way this center is described that just happens naturally as part of the body center. Um, you know, people who spend so much time in the thinking center, you know, might need, um, time as they look at the other centers to say, okay, I've thought a lot, but how do I slow down and I'm experiencing a feeling and I just need to just notice and name that feeling or notice and name that reaction without quickly moving to the thinking to assign something to it. Like, Ooh, you felt this, therefore it's this just like, Ooh, I felt this and sitting in that Mm -hmm. and having that experience. And so I encourage people to, again, continue to try and connect all three centers um, and a, a lot of a lot of growth can happen um, that way. And I think that's right. The goal of the Enneagram, again, it's for this more embodied, integrated um, experience. And so that's not a clear like to do list. And I know everyone's always kind of looking for that. Um, but that's what I, I would ask is I would start by asking, you know, what does my body need today? What does my heart need today? What does my mind need today? And start there. And it's going to look different for different people, but a good starting point. 
Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. And maybe that's part of why I like it too. Like who doesn't want to feel aligned in their mind, body, spirit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels mm-hmm. really, or it's that right mind. Do I have that right mind, body, heart? Spirit. Yeah, mind, yeah. body, heart. heart. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so cool. Are there other having done so many typologies? Do you f- and certainly again, I hope if anyone's getting from this conversation, there's a reason why this feels like so much more in depth, and we're just mm-hmm. touching the surface. But do you find that there's any um, typologies that complement this well in terms of other ways to use what's found out with the enneagram, or is it so? much more comprehensive that it's hard to even put it into a shared category. So I get asked this a lot too. People are like, my MBTI is INFJ. What type am I? Again, (laughs) I think where it gets challenging, right, is a lot of that's looking at um, behavior, right? So for me, I'm an introvert. That's the way that I'm behaving. Mm -hmm. But that has nothing to do with my motivation. Um, And so I think that's where some of this can get tricky or challenging. And some people might see, again, there's some people who say, I see some of this reflected in some of the things, but I I really feel like it's a very unique and separate tool in that it's looking at at motivation. Um, And so many typologies look a lot at behavior um, or a lot at a certain piece or skill set that you have. Um, and leveraging what that piece or skill set is. Um, and so to <laughs> I get this question, is it connected to astrology, my Myers-Briggs, all of these things? No. Um, you might notice some things that maybe you've learned in other spaces and you're like, oh, this is um, familiar, but that's because you're talking about yourself um, and the person that you are. Um, so some of that connects, but there's no clear uh, connections with those things, I would say. Okay. Well, that's, that's, yeah. I'm glad I asked though. Cause I was kind of wondering like, about, yeah, <laughs> I get asked um, it a lot. Do you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, are there, are there other things that would be helpful just to share about you as a person, just in the spirit of enthusiasm? Um, that yeah. just, cause I always want to ask people that clearly you're enthusiastic about the Enneagram, but anything else that would just be fun to hear about learning more about you? Yeah. So I don't know. I think, um, good. I'm like, good. Ask a type two to focus on themselves. No, (laughs) um, no, I really think that one of the things that I found the coolest about how this has, um, shown up or just the way that it came to be is it really was about me finding something interesting, um, and, and running with it and going for it. And so, I, I don't know. That's what I want to encourage in other people. Or if there were other people listening, it's like, if there's something that you're a little bit interested in and you know, you feel like it's kind of weird. Like I felt like some of my friends were like, if she says Enneagram one more time, <laughs> I'm gonna hang up the phone. Uh, but if you, you find these things that are cool or unique or give you that kind of jump in your spirit or, um, make you smile to go after and, and chase that. Um, and so, I guess that's something in terms of enthusiasm that I'd want to share. And then I think bigger than that, like I, I don't ever want anyone to um, think that the Enneagram is like their identity um, or that everything stops there. Like one of the things that I like to say in the work that I do around it is that it's this tool Um, because ultimately I want people to have this experience of really feeling known and seen and valued and to feel like they can um, do that for other people as well. And so I think one of the things that we lack um, in the world profoundly is just this moment where people are sitting down and really listening to someone um, with true deep empathy um, and not listening to respond or not listening to be like, oh, me too, and share all of the next things that they want to share, but to really listen and connect with the the heart and humanity of somebody else. Um, and again, I keep using the word sacred, but I think there's something so sacred and, and special and so um, something that's so much of an honor um, when someone shares their story with you. And so I think 
that's where the excitement and enthusiasm about the Enneagram comes for me is it's less of the, oh, I'm a two and I figured this out and there's all of this depth, but it's this almost that there's, again, I just see it as language and I'm thinking of, you know, I'm someone who is Nigerian and my family's Yoruba and when they're speaking Yoruba, there's this like, connection and understanding of, oh, I get that. And if I run into somebody else who is Nigerian, there's there's a connection there that maybe, again, our stories and experiences are vastly different, but there's this shared culture and language. I think that's something that I hope um, happens for people around the Enneagram is there's this language <laughs> um, or this way of understanding ourselves and each other that we're like, okay, I don't experience it that way, but I get it. Mm. Um, and I see you. Um, and, and that's, that's the hope behind it. So I, if I could share anything, I think that's what I would share that I hope that it becomes something that, um, helps people have a, a depth of, of knowing about themselves. Um, but deeper than that, like really helps in, in their relationships mm. with other people as well. Yeah. Those are three super strong words. Like I see you. I love yeah. that. I love that so much. Do you, so you, you referenced like look on YouTube, do the panels, listen to talks like this, see what you can pick up and, and see what mm-hmm. kind of matches as that. Ooh, I feel that deeply. Any mm-hmm. other like book recommendations or any other places people might find more information if this, they're curious? Yeah, of so of course your Instagram, but I, I want to plug that. <laughs> yes, good. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I do think there actually is a ton of um there are a ton of great like coaches and educators that are doing work through um Instagram, which is honestly really spe- the amount of stuff that I learn um through Instagram and through people doing almost this like extra work in addition to their work to make sure other people know is really special. And so I do want people to tap into um, some really, some really great accounts, um, that way. Um, there are a number of podcasts on the Enneagram that people can listen to, um, and great books. One that I recommend, um, often is the road back to you, um, as a, as a start for some people who are trying to figure out a little bit more about the, um, Enneagram. There's, uh, kind of two great educators and teachers, that wrote that book. Um, and I know that was one of the first Enneagram books I read. And I was like, Oh, I, I really am learning a lot through that. But again, there's a number of books out there. There's a lot of different types of schools of thought <laughs> um, with the Enneagram and ways of approaching it. Some people who look at it um, more in a narrative way. Um, some people who look at the Enneagram and it's all somatic about like feelings and sensations in the body um, and so ultimately, you know, I, I just encourage people to know that um, it can be frustrating at times, especially if you are a person or a type that likes to have things done quick, is that a lot of people who do work around the Enneagram will describe it as a journey because that's what it really is. Um, you know, for me, I figured out my type the second I had that moment with an assessment. but I, every day I learned more and there's so much depth and complexity to the Enneagram. And so when we think of it as a journey is that learning never really stops. Um, and so for some people, I, you know, I think that the process can be a little frustrating as I wish I could take one quiz and it was right and I would get it. But I think that's what makes the Enneagram unique and special um, as a typology is it's not a one and done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for some people, again, it is going to be a quiz or a test and they take it and they figure it out. Um, for other people, um, <laughs> I don't want to say this, but it's true. I've had people that um, have come to me or talked to me and they're like, I've been looking for a couple of years and I haven't figured it out. But what I would say is ultimately, as you look at things or read things or um, connect to stuff, really center um, motivation. Um, and really center who you are at your core. Because there's going to be things as, like, I love all the meme accounts. I really do. I think they're hilarious. But I think if that's what you're using to discover your type, 
you probably won't discover your type that way because that's probably an extreme mm-hmm. um, or it's probably describing what your type looks like in stress or security or integration or disintegration. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say really tap into who am I at my core and what has that been? Because your type doesn't change is another thing that I would share. Mm. Um, and so that's going to be this thing that is kind of this common thread through your experience. Like I talked about earlier when I talked about my whole life, this being a thing. Right. Um, and so that might be something that helps is focus on the motivation, not the behavior. The motivation. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome. And truly your Instagram so the Instagram is Enneagram everything, and it has so much information on it. There's a lot of stuff on there. <laughs> Everyone should check it out. Um, yeah. is that, is, if anyone was interested in learning more about you and your work with Enneagram or anything else, is that yeah. the best way for them to connect with you? Absolutely. So there's one of two ways for people to connect with me. One, I love people connecting on Instagram because I like like talking to y'all. Um, and so feel free to, you know, send me DMs or comment on things or ask questions. You know, I'm not always able to get um, to everything in that way. Um, and people are also welcome to email me. Um, my email is enneagram everything at gmail.com. You're welcome to email me as well. Um, but People can get plugged in through that page. I also do individual coaching. I do speaker series, really, you name it. Um, so any kind of education, coaching, writing around the Enneagram, that's something that I'm doing. So anyone looking for that um, is welcome to send me a message. And I'd love to connect and get to know them more, too. Oh, that's so awesome. This has been the most fun conversation. I could just talk for hours and hours, but it, it just it does make me just appreciate what I have learned. And I love that you said it's like a lifelong thing of, of learning and discovering and, and learning more about yourself and how you relate with other people. It's just, this is the coolest thing. <laughs> so yeah, thank for you. sure. Thank, thank you, so you for much. having me. It's Such been a so blast. fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks fun, Lola. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at michelle at enthusiasmdiaries.com.